0: Had a good session this past session, and I think that that will provide a a great baseline of where to begin our work this coming year. MDOT presents the Extra Mile Podcast Legislative Session. Gotta have the ability to get that product to market. As long as you're performing,
1: we wanna be behind you pushing.
2: Welcome into another edition of the Extra Mile Podcast presented by the Mississippi Department of Transportation. I'm MDOT, Deputy Director of Public Affairs, Paul Coutoul. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Will Kraft. He handles government and constituent affairs here at the agency. And uh, before we get started, uh, the session uh, moves very quickly. So we do want to note this episode is being recorded on Monday, February 21st. And today we are very excited to welcome a first-time guest to the show. And that is Commissioner Sean Tyndall, Commissioner of the Mississippi Department of Public Safety little bit of information on the commissioner he was appointed by governor tate reeves to lead dps in may of 2020 interesting times and he was also he also previously served as a state senator down there on the coast commissioner tindall thank you so much for coming in and joining us in the mdot studios today great
0: to be here paul looking forward to it so we
1: have to uh, <clears throat> we have to address the commissioners oftentimes so now we're here with the commissioner at yes. the Department of public safety commissioners Indeed. all around
2: so let's, uh, first-time guest, like we said, so let's just kind of go back a little bit. Uh, tell us about your career and, uh, you know, how you got into public service.
0: All right. Well, you know, I, I think it, it, you know, sometimes the, the path you want doesn't always end up being where you, it doesn't end up where you'll actually go. And Thank so um, I started off running for student council in, in 1987 in seventh grade at Bayview Junior High and I lost that race handedly. <laughs> so gave up politics and, and focused on baseball in uh, sports through high school and, and thought I was gonna go to college and try to play sports. But uh, they asked me to to transfer to a community college at Southern Miss to, to play baseball and I, I decided I was having so much fun there that I would I would stick around and found myself involved in student government. So I guess that just kind of got the ball rolling again. and. Uh, and so found a passion for serving and, and trying to represent folks and, uh, of course, went on to uh, law school and, and got out, was an assistant DA for a while and, and ran for county prosecutor in Harrison County and, and lost again. So I really found that elections <laughs> weren't uh, my, my best, uh, best uh, arena. But uh, fortunately, Billy Hughes, who was then the Senate District 49 uh, senator, uh, had announced that he was running for lieutenant governor and, and I knew there would be an opening in that seat. And, and I felt like I ran a good race when I did run for a county prosecutor uh, and and got some support and just dug my heels back in and made another run and, and won that race and, and was fortunate enough to spend six years in the state senate and then spent uh, a couple of years at the court of appeals and Governor Reeves, uh asked me to take over at the uh, Department of Public Safety. And, and you know it, when, when I got the call from the governor's office the uh, first words out of my mouth which are all too often unfortunately the first thoughts in my head was this is a joke right why why would you want me to do this job and why would I want this job but you know after talking to my wife and talking to my mother um, who was a recent widow we they just kind of chuckled and said we knew you wouldn't be a judge too long just because you like to get engaged and be in the middle of things and and so uh, they were all on board and we uh, took the reins and and hopefully I think done a good job the last three years going on three years. That's
1: oh, awesome. Absolutely. And you guys have had nothing but, you know, uh, uh, seems like all kinds of things to work on and, and fix. And, and since you came into office, um, before we kind of get into any of those accomplishments that you've done, let's just break it into the session, legislative sessions, uh, legislative podcast, and we are wide open in it. You guys have any big measures y'all are working on this year?
0: We don't have too many big ones. I mean, the last few sessions uh, since I've been here, of course, the one in 2020 went on forever. Um, there was some major legislation that was passed that affected uh, our agency, you know, with, with driver services, uh, ultimately with Capitol Police and, and y'all's law enforcement division that, w- that was moved over, and even last year with the medical examiner's office and things like that. But, but this year it's been a little bit of a lighter um, request from our perspective, but there are some important pieces of legislation. One is the School Guardian Act uh, that we've worked with the Mississippi Department of Education on um, in trying to... Uh, make sure that uh, if there's going to be teachers that have firearms in schools which under current state law they're allowed to do that if if the school district will allow it we want to make sure that those teachers have good training and so we've proposed a program where any school that would want to do it any teacher that would want to do it uh, could go through uh, a a modified training program uh, where they learn firearm tactics basic defense tactics communications you know learn how to operate uh, communication devices with law enforcement and and you know hopefully uh, with that uh, provide a tool in which our, our schools can be safer we, we know that there's no substitute for a school resource officer in every school but being realistic we don't know that every district can afford to do that or would do that there might not be a necessity in some of particularly your elementary schools um, so it might be good if you had a former Marine or a former law enforcement officer that was working at the school or or, or just somebody that, that everybody trusted to, to do a good job that they would be armed in case you did have an active shooter come into the campus and try to minimize that threat.
1: That program's out there yep. now?
0: It's not out there now. If this legislation passes, uh, we'll start uh, this summer uh, okay. w- with, a, with a program. Um, and what we're proposing is that teachers that participate in that would also receive a stipend um, up to $500 a month much like what you would pay a football coach or a That's awesome. basketball coach cheerleading coach and, and really you know again it, it's about making sure that we have people that are qualified if they're gonna do it that they pass background checks and that they get the certification and they get recertified so there is a commitment to it it's not like we're just gonna rubber stamp folks and let them do it they're, they're gonna have to prove that they're worthy and that they're capable um, and they're people that we trust and, and We're going to hold those certifications we could revoke them at any time but uh, with that we also feel like the teachers ought to get paid a little bit extra because you know it's an extra duty in my mind probably more important than than coaching you know some of the sports sure so
2: excellent excellent so uh so yeah one of the great things about having uh, agency department heads in is we can kind of get an overview of the department and uh, we've always kind of learned different new things that we didn't know that these department and agencies uh, do So can you kind of give us an overview of DP, what DPS does and then maybe some things that we wouldn't think about?
0: Yeah, so, you know, the Department of Public Safety was founded in 1938 um, at the same time that the Mississippi Highway Safety Patrol was founded. And, and really, in the beginning, they were one and the same. Uh, but over the years, the department has grown as times have changed. And, and with that, you saw uh, the addition of the crime lab in uh, the medical examiner's office that, that does, you know, criminal analysis on drugs and ballistics and things like that, and also the medical examiner's office doing autopsies and uh, all the homicides that we have across the state or suspicious deaths. Um, and then you, you saw uh, the, meta, uh, the Mississippi Bureau of Narcotics was, was added. Um, over the years, we also started the Mississippi Bureau of Investigations, uh, which handles all officer-involved shooting investigations in the state. Um, Of course, now we have Capitol Police and CTEB, which were somewhat recent recent additions. Um, After 9-11 and the events of 9-11, you saw the Mississippi Office of Homeland Security established, which is actually the one that's gonna be uh, overseeing this guardian program. We have school resource and school safety analysts that go across the state um, making recommendations to schools on how to make their schools safer. Uh, But they're also doing a cyber program. We just initiated the new uh, cyber director for the state uh, who is housed at the Mississippi Office of Homeland Security, so that's a growing division. Uh, we also have um, the CTED, uh, Commercial Transportation Enforcement Division, that, uh, that came over from MDOT, which was a really, uh, I think, smooth transition for both agencies where we really worked together on, on, on accomplishing that, um, and they still work in hand-in-hand, which is really, really good. Uh, we also have Crime Stoppers that's there. We have Public Safety and Planning. Uh, which oversees millions and millions of dollars in federal grants um, and also houses the Board of Minimum Standards for law enforcement. We have the Mississippi Law Enforcement Officers Training Academy, uh, which has been around uh, since the 60s in in Jackson and uh, has trained thousands of officers for basic training across the state. Um, and we also have, and, and this is the one where the general public deals with us the most, and, and we also get the most complaints, is the Driver Services Bureau, where you, where you go to get your driver's license, and, and used to be you had to wait for two or three hours, but uh, I think some of the changes we've made have got the average wait times to about 15 minutes now, so.
1: That's and that's literally the next thing we're talking about so first off um, the umbrella that is DPS you guys have all kind of stuff going on how do you keep it straight on time? Yeah
0: yeah. you know it's it it is one of those things that's overwhelming and fortunately when I was in the Senate um, I I worked with the budget uh, for DPS so I I was somewhat knowledgeable of what all fell underneath the umbrella of the Department of Public Safety and some of the issues that it faced Uh, but but once you start getting into it and and you're really involved with it, it it can be quite overwhelming and so For me coming in, uh, particularly never being a law enforcement officer, uh, by trade I was a prosecutor and and, and in the legal field, worked closely with law enforcement, but I had never done that type of work, Um, I knew that I needed a strong law enforcement team around me. So uh, Colonel Ginn, who's the head of the Highway Patrol, 35 years at at the Mississippi Highway Patrol, had held every rank at the Mississippi Highway Patrol, uh, was a great choice there. Uh, we brought in Deputy Commissioner Keith Davis, who was former Chief of Marine Patrol, former Chief at Malls Point, uh, was the uh, Chief of Staff for Secretary Watson at the Secretary of State's Office. Um, but he had a strong law enforcement background. We brought him in. Stephen McDevitt, who is our deputy commissioner of finance, he, even our uh, accountant is, is a former law enforcement guy. <laughs> he was an audit, auditor investigator at the auditor's office. And so surrounded myself with a really good team of law enforcement officers that, that understood that dynamic of it, but were also really good leaders. And so I, I think that's been able to help me in facilitating some of the changes that we, we've made over the last two or three years. Sure. That's fantastic.
1: And I want to piggyback off that, talking about those changes, and you mentioned driver's license services. What were some of the things that y'all did?
0: Well, you know, coming into it, when we first got there, it was closed, right, because of COVID. So coming <laughs> oh, in yeah. in June of 2020, I get there, and, and we've uh, been closed for six weeks. Um, so as soon as we open back up, of course, the, the news couldn't wait to make the headlines that, you know, well, look at the people wrapped around the building. Sure. And, yeah. and it's like, well, we just opened. We've been closed for six weeks. Um, but we also knew we needed to make some changes, and one of the things that I tried to emphasize with our team is we can't be afraid to change. We got to be willing to take some steps and, and do things different. We might not know how it's going to work out, and we can always pivot, but we just can't keep doing the same thing we've been doing, and it, and it, it's the same thing as if you dig yourself in a hole. You sure. can't just keep digging with your shovel, you're going to go deeper. So. Um, I I told them, let's try some different things, if it doesn't work, we'll pivot. Fortunately, most of the things that we've tried to do have have worked out fairly well. Uh, We we started an appointment system, uh, which has been really good because now folks can come onto our website at www.dps.ms.gov. You can go to the Driver Services Bureau page and and schedule you an appointment. Uh, They're in 15 minute increments and so folks show up, if you got an appointment, you're going to get served first. Um, and and you don't show up with an appointment, we're still gonna try to get to you, but you're not gonna get that priority treatment. Uh, That's been big. We tried to uh, push more things into online renewals. Uh, We tried to eliminate some of the redundancies that we had. You know, for young people, they were having to come in and get their permit at 15. At 16, they were getting an intermediate license. At 16 and a half, they would get their permanent license. At 20, they would have to renew. And at 21, they would come in and get a license showing that they were old enough to have alcohol. So we're making them come in there five times in six years and we wonder why we have a backlog (laughs) we've tried to eliminate some of those particularly the intermediate license uh it was all it said was that you couldn't be out after 10 it basically had a curfew on it so well let's keep the curfew but not make them get a special license for that Uh, we also try to set it up so that when they uh, get their license they can get one at 16 that will carry them through to 21 we're working on that so that they don't have to come back in and get that extra license in that one year period and then on firearm permits, we were making folks come in, and, and they were doing their renewals uh, for their firearm permit and having to resubmit fingerprints. And I said, you know, hey, guys, why are we making them resubmit their fingerprints? Have they changed us? Last I checked, <laughs> people's fingerprints don't change. So we went through a process of making sure that uh, they would accept the older fingerprints that had previously been submitted. Turns out the FBI would when they do the background check. And so now folks, instead of having to come in and renew their firearm permit in person, can do it. Um, by mail-in and so that just takes people out of the office expanding our digital footprint trying to minimize our physical footprint and, and using technology as our friend has been a big advantage I like that's that.
2: great oh yes and i'll tell you what uh for monitoring social media mdot used to get a lot of complaints about driver's license services obviously not us i can't remember the last time we've gotten one so you're obviously doing <laughs> a really yeah. a really good really. job um Thank you. My friend Will tells me there's new considerations with electric vehicles, autonomous vehicles, and kind of enforcement.
0: Can you break that down for us? Sure. You know, that's been real fascinating. When, when I first uh, started having these meetings a couple of years ago, you know, the, the thought was that we would have vehicles that could assist truck drivers, much like what, what you have now with your lane assist in your car. If you have a newer car, it'll kind of tell you when you're getting out of the lane. And so the, these were the discussions. Now it's gone on to full-on autonomous vehicles, and some of the states are really leaning towards, you know, passing that, and, and that it's really interesting, because if you think about these vehicles out there just kind of operating on their own, um, what does that look like, what does it look like in Mississippi, how does it change from state to state? From our perspective, one of the concerns is, you know, wh- what happens if there's a violation of the law? What happens if somebody loads one of these vehicles up with drugs, who's liable for it? And, and so we've got to keep a close eye on that, because I can assure you that cartels, um would take full advantage of of having autonomous vehicles if they thought it would be a free pass to transport uh, drugs particularly like we know in mississippi along the i-10 and i-20 corridors where you know we we see a lot of fentanyl deaths Um, just because we're on that corridor between mexico and the east coast where where a lot of drugs are distributed so keeping an eye on those things making sure that we have a voice in law enforcement interaction plans and 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 also determining who's liable uh, if there is an accident and how these vehicles are authorized. But the technology really is amazing. Uh, you know, according to the industry, it's safer. Um, you know, I think that remains to be seen, but it, but it certainly makes sense. I mean, you know, they're not going to get tired. They're not going to weave off the road. They're not going to be texting, and um, they're going to run the speed limit, and they're going to be primarily I think on interstates, I, I think it's a more interesting conversation when they start getting off the interstate and trying to go through traffic, red lights, unforeseen things that are in the middle of the road and look, if it's anything like my iPhone or any computer I've ever had, what, what happens when it freezes? And uh, oh, yeah. I don't think you can reboot it going down the road at eighty miles an I hour. About you know, that either. So. <laughs> Yikes.
1: Well and, and that conversation around, you know, the, the the drug or the illicit nature of the utilization, has that Really, Is that being
0: seen in other places? Do you know? I, mean, I think there's been some conversations about it. Um, it it's so new. I, I think some of these things have not been contemplated, of course. It uh, depends on what state you go into and who's sure. asking the questions. And, and so I had a lot of the senators when we went into the committee meeting and, and House Chairman uh, Busby, when we talked about it, he was also in the meeting and uh, hadn't thought about some of these questions as it pertains to law enforcement. And you know how it is. I mean, we all have our lanes, and so t- sometimes there's things that we think about in our lane um, that we, we, we feel secure with. But then when, you know, you look at two or three lanes over, yeah, it's no different than driving down the road, right? You, you got your lane, you're sure, doing yeah. good, and then, you know, you got people flying by you in the other lanes causing havoc. You, you got to think about that. So it's the same thing in agencies. You know, there, there's things that we might be okay with that y'all would have issues. Um, and, and, and same thing uh, when it comes to law enforcement and, and all these different divisions and considerations we got to make when you're, when you're making the sausage, as they say, of putting legislation together.
1: That's exactly right. No well, and, and that kind of kicks us right into the next one. Again, I don't know if you rehearsed this, but we're flowing just incredibly well here. The yeah. agency partnerships, I know you guys have, have to work with a lot of agencies as well. So not only do you have all your own responsibilities and duties under that giant umbrella, I mean, how much time do you guys spend working with other agencies, too? Oh,
0: I mean, a good bit. You know, obviously I meet with uh, Director White uh, a good bit, as well as General Fitch, um, as well as the Department of Health. I mean, it really is all intertwined, and, and particularly with our department, because, you know, while it is a law enforcement-centric um, agency, there, there are other things that we do, such as dr- driver's license, sure. commercial uh, Driver's license, um, you know, when you're dealing with the ME's office doing the autopsies, it's not just homicides. There's, you know, suspicious deaths, inmates' deaths, so we have to do all the autopsies of any inmate that dies at the Department of Corrections or any jail in the state. Um, so th- those things uh, keep you keep you very busy, keep you working with other agencies, and and um, you know, I think that's. Takes up a, a lot of time, sure. but you know, hey, it's what we do, right? And and, it, and it's part of government and um, and and working together. One of the things that I've always tried to emphasize is, you know, we're we're on the same team. We'll set aside egos and try to work towards the common good, and save money where we can for the taxpayers and, and give them a good product.
2: No doubt, we certainly appreciate everything here. Always love to see MHP tweet out, you know, watching out for our workers out there and you know keeping everyone safe. Um, that's really great. Uh, can you t- touch on human trafficking real quick? What yeah, well, are you doing to combat that?
0: Yeah, that, that's been a big initiative. Uh, of course, worked a lot with the Attorney General on it and the troopers and truckers and, and, and trying to get the word out about human tra- trafficking. Um, obviously, that's, you're hearing more and more and more about it, uh, but I think the reality is some of these things have been going on a long time. It's just people didn't know how to recognize it and report it. Yeah. So we're trying to educate folks about if you see something, say something. Um, if there's something suspicious, particularly at a truck stop where you see maybe young kids that look like they're unattended by a parent um, or, you know, just anything that sticks out as is, is not being just quite right, it's okay to let law enforcement know and let us do a little bit of a deep dive into to exactly what is going on. And, you know, it really is sad when you see folks, particularly in my, in my heart, when you see the minors that, that are abused and, and neglected, and, and sometimes you see kids that are sold by their own parents to drug dealers and, and put into a world of prostitution. And, and that's um, just heartbreaking. And and Absolutely. so, you know, something that we want to be on the forefront of educating people and also holding those that um, partake in this this travesty of, of sin, if, if not one of the worst sins, to, to make them accountable.
1: And well, that now, kind of parlays to, to my next question again. Um, it, it's coming off such a serious and. Unfortunate topic is that um, the contact info for you guys, but specifically kind of those type of issues too. I mean, is there? A, I'm sure there's a hotline or maybe something that well, see some will, say something,
0: right? Yeah, and, and really going to our webpage, um, it, there, there's a lot of different ways that you can contact us, but it does have a contact us link that will go to our emails. Um, we've got so many different divisions, and they all have their own contact, whether it's MHP or MBI. Um, or MBN, uh, you know, if it's a narcotics issue, you know, you know we'll get on it. And, and, look, if you just call the DPS headquarters, we'll, we will um, try to decipher where you need to go and make sure we, we get you the help you need. So, yeah, uh, the best way to get us is going to our web page um, and, and uh, just clicking on the Contact Us link, and, and somebody will be back, back in touch with you. Perfect.
1: And, and as, you. As, as dark and unfortunate again as that topic is, we're going to move into the fun Uh, the the main MO here the question of the hour Um, as a podcast as a people we like to eat has there uh, have you been to any new place or you got a new favorite maybe have a favorite spot if you travel in the state maybe there's a a hole in the wall that you only get to go to every once in a while or again maybe you've had a new restaurant here lately what you got for
0: us well you know Coming from the coast, at the capital, they always called us fish eaters. Uh, that was kind of our, our nicknames if, if you were a coastie. So uh, I'm always partial to, to the seafood and, and seafood industry. Um, you know, when, when it comes to a favorite or a new favorite, uh, you know, look, up here in Jackson, I always love the staples. It, you know, it's hard to beat a Chapley's or a Tico's That's or Kessler Prime, or, or if you want to go old school, coming back down down to uh, the Mayflower. I mean, there you it's go. It's just hard to beat. Now, for me personally, I, you know, I grew up in the uh, restaurant business with my family, and if you're ever on the coast, Cajun's fried chicken, red beans and rice, buffet, all you can eat for $12. So this is your this is your family. Uh, it was my my stepdad and my my mom and my stepbrother. Now my stepbrother runs the the whole thing. He's been doing that for probably 30, 40 years now, and so um, he, uh, he he's done a good job with it. Cajun fried chicken. That's all. What spicy are, chicken.
1: That may be the most appropriate shout-out we've had in the oh, entirety. Yeah. I mean that's perfect. Hey, you opened the door. And was, and, uh, <laughs> we keep getting people on too that seem to like have uh, restaurant experience in their background. Center branding. Yep. I don't know what that says about us, but again well, we like to eat.
0: You know I was busting tables there when I was nine i think i was looking at my social security port report so it showed up my the first year that i'd uh I had, had worked there was 1984 that's uh, pretty so, good at nine uh, years old yeah i was out there busting tables I think
1: everybody should have to do that for at least a spell of life i learned so much about uh i don't know things during that time of my life but yeah i
2: concur oh good yeah good so this is a it's a food podcast uh you know as, hidden as a uh, transportation podcast. Right? Right. Love love the information there. Uh, Commissioner Tindall, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, love doing this podcast. Always learn so much from, from our guests. So thank you for joining us. Glad to be here. All right. Let's just wrap things up. Thank you so much to our listeners for tuning in to the Extra Mile podcast. Remember, you can watch and listen to episodes by visiting gomdot.com forward slash the Extra Mile. Remember to follow us on social media at Mississippi DOT on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. Uh, We want to thank our producer, Katie Hornsby, our editor, Drew Hall. Remember to drive smart out there on Mississippi highways.